This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the BC Director of the CTF. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Todd McKay. He's holding down the fort as our Prairie Director. So, Todd, we've got a series of special episodes on the election. And this one, boy, oh boy, there are some topics that really get our supporters going. And one of them is firearms. Um, It's a tough issue. Uh, One hand, of course, it's heartbreaking whenever we see tragedies play out like what happened in Nova Scotia. Every decent person in Canada wants to prevent things like that from happening. But we also want to make sure that the policies actually work. Because a lot of good people own firearms. We own guns here in Canada legally. It's a big part of our heritage. People use them for sport shooting and for hunting. So here at the CTF, we got to get into this on where the parties stand when it comes to firearms. So let's get into it. Where are we at so far with these guys? Yeah, so from the start, let's talk about, let's try to uh, get a kind of a fence around this thing. Because this kind of an issue can go off in a billion different directions. A lot of good people talking about a lot of those different directions. Let's talk about what we're talking about, though. We're looking at two things, really. Number one, will these policies work? Does it make sense? Because that's a big part of accountability. If you're trying something that's just a political stunt and it's not going to work, we got to have a little bit of a chat about that. Number two, uh, we talk a lot about price tags around here. So anytime we're spending on one thing, it means we're not spending on another thing. That goes to accountability, but it also goes to sticking up for for taxpayers. Ultimately, our our mandate is lower taxes, less waste, more accountable government. That's the lens we're looking at it uh, through. What's the price tag and will this thing work? Yeah, and I think from that point, it makes sense. Let's start with the Liberals. So I'll let Prime Minister Justin Trudeau explain his party's policy on firearms. We are banning 1,500 models and variants of these firearms by way of regulations. These weapons were designed for one purpose and one purpose only, to kill the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time. There is no use and no place for such weapons in Canada. For many families, including many Indigenous people, Firearms are part of traditions passed down through generations, and the vast majority of gun owners use them safely, responsibly, and in accordance with the law, whether it be for work, sport shooting, for collecting, or for hunting. But you don't need an AR-15 to bring down a deer. So, effective immediately, it is no longer permitted to buy, sell, transport, import, or use military-grade assault weapons in this country. To protect law-abiding gun owners from criminal liability until they can take steps to comply with this new law, there will be a two-year amnesty period and we will legislate fair compensation. So that was the Prime Minister. He was explaining the Liberal Party's policy on firearms last spring. But I think really when it comes to something as complicated as firearms, we can't just go with the clip. I think we need to break down some of those details. Yeah, okay. So we got to take a little road, uh, walk down memory lane here. So back in 2019 in the election, at that point, the Liberal platform included a promise to ban and buy back, quote, military style assault rifles. So the price tag back then was ballparked at about $200 million. 
Then, of course, you fast forward a little bit. There's that terrible shooting in, uh, in Nova Scotia, uh, horrible murders there. The prime minister put that uh, commitment back into action. And so the government made a list of about 1,500 types of guns that licensed gun owners uh, uh, own currently. But the new change was that they could no longer buy, sell, or use those guns. So that's the, the prime minister's response at that point. Initially, the government said that uh, Canadians who owned those guns would have to hand them over to the government to be destroyed. It's changed a little bit. It sounds like the government may let people keep them, kind of grandfather them in. If they want to uh, give them to the government, then they'll get some compensation for it. Some of that stuff's a little bit unclear, but ultimately 1,500 uh, types of guns that we were owned by uh, licensed gun owners, no good anymore. I uh, can't use them. That was uh, the initial response there. Okay, we're going to get into that change a little bit later on, but I think it's really important again to go back and look at the first of those two questions that you brought up off the top. So as of this policy, the way we're looking at it right now, will it make Canadians safer? Yeah, it's always so hard to talk about preventing bad things. How do you know if something worked or didn't work? So back in January, when this stuff, uh, soon after this stuff uh, started to come out, we interviewed a gentleman by the name of Brian Sove. Now, he is the president of the National Police Federation. That's the union that represents the RCMP. He is an RCMP officer. He's worked on the front lines in law enforcement. Uh, so we couldn't think of anybody better to talk to about this stuff. Now, I do need to make a few things really clear about this. This interview was done long before the election. Mr. Sobe is not responding to any of the uh, political platforms. He's not endorsing anybody. He's just being the smart guy in the room who could answer questions for us. And for that, we were really appreciative. But we were talking about the Liberal government's gun policy after the Police Federation put out a paper on the issue. And here's a really key point to nail down. When people think of military assault rifles, they often think about the guns they see in movies, just spraying bullets everywhere. But Mr. Solvay clears that up a bit. Check out this clip. In fact, um, um, automatic rifles where you, you can just pull the trigger and you know, go nuts um, are, are, are prohibited in Canada. Uh, there are a few out there, I'm not sure the exact number, which have been grandfathered into possession for certain people who've had them for a long time, uh, but you can't buy one. And in fact, to modify a semi-automatic rifle into an automatic rifle is a criminal offense under the law in Canada today. Yeah, that's a really important point to make. Uh, you and I, we're not talking out of school here, you and I are legal firearms owners. Uh, a lot of folks, though, may not know that the guns that you see in movies like Rambo and Terminator, fully automatic weapons, those aren't legally owned up here. So meaning if you hold your gun and you hold the trigger down, a whole bunch of rounds and bullets just don't spray out of it. And on top of that, um, you can't load a lot of ammunition legally into guns in Canada. We don't have guns like that being legally owned right now here in Canada. Yeah, th those guns have been outlawed since 1977. Yeah. That, that's a long time, even uh, even for you and me, and we're getting <laughs> up there a little bit. So those guns have been gone for a long time. It's not to say we can't discuss other uh, measures and so on. But when you take a really uh, a good definition of military assault rifles, 
those fully automatics, they've been gone for a long time. So that's an important point to nail down. So next we asked Mr. Silvey where guns used in crimes come from. That's another really important part of this equation. Let's check out what he said about that. And what we have seen, and the data supports this, uh, is that the majority of gun crime in Canada is committed with illegal firearms that are traced back to the United States. So if we're talking about what kind of guns commit the majority of crimes, it's those that are obtained illegally and are not registered in Canada and not possessed by legal firearms owners. That was such an important point that he made. And again, the liberal ban, confiscation, buyback, whatever you want to call it, it only goes after law-abiding gun owners because it's pretty obvious that criminals not big on following rules. So it's kind of out there to imagine that they would follow these rules. Guns owned by licensed law-abiding gun owners are not the ones showing up time and time again in these crimes. In fact, Sove himself pointed out that this wouldn't have stopped that terrible killing spree that happened in Nova Scotia because the killer in that case got those guns illegally. He was not supposed to have them. So when it comes down to the question of whether this policy will work, the National Police Federation, guy represents the guys and girls in the front line in the RCMP, he's making it pretty clear that it probably won't make Canadians any safer. Okay, so we've covered off the first very important element. Will it make Canadians safer? Answer, probably not. Now to the price tag. Where are we on how much this thing would cost? Oh, man, where are we on any given day is probably the better question to ask, right? So in 2019, the Liberals uh, at that point in the election ballparked the cost at about $200 million. Since then, the government's looked at it more closely. The government's saying it'd be more like five or six hundred million, so much higher. Happily, there are some adults in the room uh, doing the math uh, outside of the political parties. A parliamentary budget officer took a look at it. Uh, that uh, analysis came back as somewhere between 225 million and 756 million, but that doesn't include administrative costs. So even the parliamentary budget officer is looking at this saying, I don't know, but it's probably going to be a lot of money. That's, I think, the bottom line there. To put that in perspective, though, so those are huge amounts of money, but to put that in perspective, just that original bill of $200 million, you could hire 400 RCMP officers for five years for $200 million. So again, a lot of this comes down to accountability on choices. You could spend these hundreds of millions of dollars uh, taking guns away from licensed gun owners, or you could hire 400 Mounties. I think that's an important thing for people to think about as they're uh, looking at these policies. Exactly, especially when they're weighing things like safety and price tags, it's right out there. So those numbers, we had those numbers before the writ was dropped, before the election happened. And now the Liberals have actually added to that tally in their platform. What are we seeing there? Yeah, so there's not a lot of detail here, but we'll give you what we've got. So the Liberals have added another line in here that they'll spend up to a billion dollars to support provinces who ban handguns. Again, not a lot of detail, so it's hard. It leaves a lot of big questions. Uh, and here's a couple of those questions. First of all, a billion dollars. Like, that's an awful lot of money. Where are you getting that money? How are you going to manage that? What are we getting for that? A lot of questions around a billion dollars. But second, again, to that question, will it work? So right now, 
we see uh, crime guns generally being smuggled across the U.S. border. If one province bans handguns, are you going to stop them from being smuggled across uh, provincial borders when you can't stop them from being smuggled across uh, the, the U.S. border? I don't know. It, it doesn't. I, I'm not seeing a lot of evidence, I guess, uh, that these things will actually work. And I think that there are, are frankly, more questions uh, than ever on that. No, that's an excellent question, because if they can't stop illegal handguns from going across the Canada-U.S. border, you know, the big border with people like guards and checkpoints and cameras and all that stuff, they can't stop that gun smuggling. How on earth are they going to stop illegal handguns or illegal guns crossing the Alberta-BC border or the Ontario-Quebec border? It's crazy to think that'd even be possible. So I think the answer of cost for the liberal gun policy seems to be hundreds of millions of dollars, but nobody's quite sure how much. And I got to say, this is making me queasy because I'm old enough to remember the long gun registry. And I know you are too. And that was when they were going after basically ranchers and duck hunters, uh, those sorts of folks for long guns. And long guns include things like shotguns and rifles. Back then, they said, oh, no big deal. It'll maybe cost a couple million dollars. By the time the smoke cleared on that thing, it was around a couple billion dollars. So times a thousand and Canadians weren't any safer. So that just looks like a problem waiting to happen. So we've done the liberals, though. Really important here because their official opposition, they're neck and neck right now, depending on the polls. Where are the conservatives on this issue of firearms? Where indeed? Um, I thought we knew, and now I'm not sure we know. So, folks, stay with us. Uh, it's kind of a bouncing ball here. Uh, but let's start at the beginning, because that's a very good place to start. When Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole was running for the party leadership, he dropped in to chat with us for an interview. We asked him about this uh, specific issue really directly. Let's play the clip. Here's exactly what he said. I have fired a military assault rifle when I was in the military. You cannot buy uh, military assault weapons in Canada. In fact, they use those terms to mislead people and to scare people who don't understand our regime. So I'll eliminate the Ordering Council and Bill C-71, which was also an unfair attempt to reclassify and to demonize law-abiding owners. I'm going to scrap the act and actually come up with a a transparent and fair way to show Canadians that we have very effective screening, uh, uh, training and licensing behind our uh, possession and acquisition license. We've got a very different regime to the United States and the Liberals own data shows that the challenges with firearms being used in crime come from illegally smuggled guns. So I'm going to put resources at the border with CVSA and with the RCMP. Okay, so that was Aaron O'Toole uh, back when he was running for the Conservative leadership, uh, telling us his thoughts on the Liberal gun ban and buyback. Uh, that was last summer, really clear. He would scrap it, repeal it, get rid of it, uh, and then he would focus on stopping illegal guns and smuggling, that sort of thing. Exactly. And when the Conservative platform did come out at the beginning of this campaign, they were the first ones out of the gate with the platform, it backed all that up. The platform promised to scrap the liberal gun ban and the buyback entirely. It would toughen rules on people who sell guns to make sure that licensed gun owners aren't turning around and giving their guns or getting guns for people who shouldn't be having them. And it also promised to toughen up on border security and to crack down on gun smuggling. 
Yeah, and on top of that, the uh, Conservative platform promised to hire 200 RCMP officers to deal with smuggling guns, smuggling drugs, all that kind of stuff. So they were putting their money into uh, law enforcement uh, rather than uh, taking guns from law uh, licensed gun owners. You know, that sounds so interesting and so familiar. I feel like we've heard this before. So again, let's play another clip from Brian Sove. He is president of the National Police Federation. And we need to talk about funding. So whether it's funding of integrated border enforcement teams, whether it's funding of uh, different law enforcement agencies through the RCMP firearms program, the National Weapons Enforcement Support Team, whether it's funding for intelligence services to assist in identifying those funnels or criminal organizations that are sending guns north, um, that's kind of where I think we should be prioritizing before we start talking about um, modifying regulations of the legal, legally obtained firearms in Canada. And again, that's the president of the union that represents the RCMP, the Mounties and the front line. We spoke to him back in January, not during this election campaign. So it sounds like the Conservatives platform was pretty similar to the initiatives that police offices officers were calling for. Yeah, it's funny to talk about a platform in past tense during an election, a, a game. Things got weird because that's not what the conservative platform says now. So pretty predictably, liberal leader Justin Trudeau, he came after uh, Aaron O'Toole on this issue. Makes sense. They've got a very different uh, approach to a very important issue. This is what elections are all about. I don't think any of us were surprised to see the Conservatives attacked uh, on that issue. And I think uh, all of us kind of expected that they'd be ready for that. I guess we expected wrong uh, because uh, Mr. O'Toole definitely started changing his policy. So the platform still includes a promise to repeal the gun ban and buy back legislation and cabinet orders. But the Conservatives have now added a footnote in their platform, they changed the actual document. I'm just gonna read it. So it says, quote, all firearms that are currently banned will remain banned, close quote. Okay, I read that same one myself after a couple cups of coffee this morning. It still didn't make sense. Like this is weird. So as far as I can understand it, the conservatives will repeal the liberal gun ban but all of those guns will stay banned, right? So that's what the platform says. And I was reading through various commentary, uh, trying to figure out what's going on. So there's nothing about compensating licensed gun owners for their banned guns. So I don't know what's happening there. Don't know what kind of uh, price tag could be on that. O'Toole says there'll be a review of the policy and some uh, gun uh, advocacy groups uh, they seem optimistic about that process, but at the end of the day, really, all we the most solid thing we've got in a pretty unsolid situation, but the most solid thing we've got so far is a platform that says uh, the a conservative government would repeal all of this stuff, uh, but continue to ban these guns. Uh, that seems like a pretty circly square or square circle, or I, I don't know. It seems like a tough one. <laughs> this is a mess. Like, it just sounds like a mess. Uh I think this is the first time I can recall, and I've been following elections my entire life, where I've seen a major party change, a major policy platform plank 
halfway through an election, like turn around, like footnoting your platform. Like, are you kidding me? And this is also, this isn't like some side issue. This is a central issue to a lot of their core base supporters. They knew this was coming. They knew this was going to be an issue. How on earth is this now footnoting the platform halfway through? Doesn't look like a good sign. Um, I guess we're just gonna have to wait to see how this turns out. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm just, uh, these are just the facts, man. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll see what happens. But okay, let's talk about the NDP as well, because I think we need to take a look at, uh, at uh, the NDP policy. It's kind of interesting because both the Conservatives and uh, the Liberals, they've been kind of like right out front uh, on these issues. Uh, clearly, they've, uh, they've considered these to be good retail political issues. Uh, the NDP platform is a bit more muted. It says uh, the NDP will, quote, uh, work to keep uh, assault weapons and illegal handguns off our streets and to tackle gun smuggling and organized crime. Close quote. Kind of apple pie stuff generally. I think we all agree that uh, we don't want guns loose on the streets uh, and we're all against uh, smuggling and organized crime. A lot of gray area around that is pretty vague. Uh, but anyway, that's what it says. Uh, it's not a lot of detail. We're not sure exactly where they're going. Now, the NDP did back the liberal gun ban and buyback in Parliament. So I think if you're filling in those blanks, uh, it's pretty likely uh, on the balance of probability that uh, the NDP is going to lean pretty hard to the liberal approach. Um, however, it, I guess it's worth pointing out too. the NDP is also talking about community programs to keep youth out of gangs and that kind of stuff as well. So again, to summarize, uh, for folks who are trying to decide what to do during this election, on if your topic is firearms, here we go. The Liberals want to ban and buy back guns. They don't know how much it'll cost, although it will be hundreds of millions of dollars, and it won't actually take guns away from criminals. That's the Liberals. Conservatives said they would focus on criminals and smuggling. But now they've added a footnote to their platform saying that they'll ban all the same guns as the liberals without any discussion of a price tag. And the NDP, little vague, little murky, but probably leaning towards liberal policy on firearms. Is that what we got for the major parties on firearms? I think that's a pretty good summary. And listen, like this is an important issue. So First of all, uh, we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, probably north of a billion. Uh, it's a lot of money. Right now, the debt is more than a trillion dollars. We really can't afford to spend money ineffectively. If we want to do something good, we've got to make sure it actually does something good. So I think that's a, a big part. But secondly, and more importantly, we all want a safer Canada. Whether you own guns or don't own guns or whatever, I think we all want a safer uh, Canada. And if we're talking about policies that don't actually make things safer, we need to take a close look and uh, maybe go back to the old drawing board. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you so much for taking a look at all this stuff and for following the bouncing ball and reading all the footnotes that you found in a platform in the middle of the election campaign. And thanks so much to our investigative journalist, James Wood. Uh, he put this podcast together for us, edits and makes sure that we sound like we know what we're talking about. You know, the media, the press gallery, they have a lot of fun covering the horse races, who said what, when, the polls, all that stuff. Uh, but these issues, these deep policy issues, they matter. And so that's why we take a deep dive into them. And very important, we want to make sure you're getting what you need out of this. So if this is something that you think your friends and your neighbors and your family needs to know about, please share this podcast with them. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. 
If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. And thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.